0: what's up everybody and welcome to the 23rd of february 2024 episode of why am i like this and um if you haven't heard this container before or recordings of this container this is a container in the broom which is brought to you by the broom radio and the Lineage Space, which I call Seeds of Seeds of Seeds of Life, or zero, zero, zero. And it's a container that I felt called to form and hold in order to offer responses to questions, which I receive. And I've received two questions. One of them was eight months ago, and it came
1: from somebody I know as Maxim. And the question is, well, the question I formulated is, can you
0: please express your personal gnosis of, quote, Indara Sutra, unquote, and its internal dynamics and its relationship to, quote, Tao, unquote. And the second question which just arrived, in the space and time
1: of this container is what are thoughts (laughs) and that question came from adam
0: archetype who is a tender in the burn and the host of archetype so before i get into it i'm going to repeat the guarantee that i often recite at near the beginning of this container which is that I will not allow context to become enmeshed in the space and time of this container, including the space and time of those listening to this container, and that I will disenmesh contexts in the space and time of this container, including the space and time of those listening to this container, and also. I guarantee that I'll hold space for good faith offerings of repair
1: pertaining to this guarantee and to this container generally. And I'm going to offer to begin with a little, hopefully a little, light language um, on the topic of Well, the word that's coming through to me is like little kisses or like thoughts as um Yeah, like little kisses. <clears throat> and I'll start now. Finally allowers for the cosmic time and bring forth a light language transmission. From the one I know as Shekna on the topic of Um, it comes through í rabachita. Um,
0: ég þetta tokkur að það? Nýnile? Nýnile, þér um sannu Hvar er pannulkar Kita taramastora patakarep ništa Kita ramastor er masala teve pam Kataram satelekarana ka koronas Katarana sanatera
1: Come. 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 count. Oh. mm a to the a some 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 So So Thank you for being patient. Hmm. I'm just sort of like bathing in the energies which I felt like I was inviting with the transmission. So I guess like I'm going to start by talking about my acquaintance with the term Indra Sutra And I guess I'll say that the words
0: Indra and Sutra don't really come to me
1: via, I would say, my experience in this vessel. Which is sort of meta, because I would
0: say that um, the way that I experience gnosis, which comes through Indra Sutra, is that it feels like it comes through experience which does not belong to my vessel. But I guess like the experience that does belong to my vessel of my acquaintance with the term is that the first time I heard this term
1: was when I was standing in a forest in Big Sur. Um, And I got to this forest having come from
0: a roadside cafe around the area that is occupied by a pretty famous,
1: like, retreat or institution called the Esalen Institute. And I would say that um,
0: the first time I'd heard about the Esalen Institute was having watched the finale of Mad Men. And I guess without ruining Mad Men for anybody who might not have seen Mad Men or who might have seen it but forgotten the ending,
1: who is also listening to this podcast, I'll say that in the final episode of Mad Men,
0: there is a scene at the Eswan Institute, which is really close to where I was
1: when I first heard the term Indra Sutra. And the other terms I heard when I heard the term Indra Sutra were Indra Kala, and Indra Nidra. And I heard these terms after
0: having had a session with one of my former teachers. His
1: name is Wang Qian. And she is a teacher at, I think I'll call it a company, which is called um, the Taoist Light Institute and
0: she teaches out of Northern California, although my encounters with her
1: were mostly online. And, um, yeah, I'll say that I had a session with
0: her after my friend Ara recommended that I consult a teacher that I trusted after having had um, some pretty difficult psychotic episodes Around the end of 2021slash the beginning of 2022. And I feel like I've talked about this part of my life a few times, including on Why Am I Like This? and also outside of Why Am I Like This. But basically, at the time, I was living in my van and I was
1: in the vicinity of Cottonwood, Arizona and um, my ex came to visit me for christmas and new year and i would say
0: like the confluence of the energetic weather relating to my ex and also to portals which i had opened up with regard to somebody named Hanjo utaku and someone who calls herself Ananda Itaku, and several people who come from that community or who used to be in that community, some of whom are still in that community, and also, I would say, the significant land work that's been, I would say, performed in reverence of the land called Arizona, and also in spite of the land, Arizona, I would say, created like an energetic climate which was ripe for me to go through a couple of experiences which I'll call initiatory, but which also put me at risk of losing my mind. <laughs> So I'll say that
1: like when I first arrived in the area that I'm talking about around Cottonwood, Arizona, um, I remember driving into Northern Arizona and just like screaming
0: for about 20 minutes. And then I parked at a rest area which looked over some of the mountains In northern Arizona, and it was the first time that I channeled, like, what I like loosely call, like, Tai Chi Chuan, the vast, uh, via the vast of self that I call Nobu the Elder.
1: And at that point, I'd stopped screaming, and there were people around me, so I was just doing Tai Chi Chuan.
0: rather conspicuously and not screaming conspicuously um and then some time passed my ex joined me the energetic weather got crazy i spent four or five days having extremely vivid hallucinations of various timelines where the world ends um i would say that i experienced visions of the world outside our world wrapped in symbolism which comes from inside our world which relates to say like the
1: series of films called The Matrix and Nuclear Holocaust and um,
0: I'll say yeah like loosely farming the bodies of life
1: forms including animals For computational power, um,
0: which I would say is like, according to my perspective now, which is still like formed karmically, is not inaccurate on a conceptual level, but is inaccurate on a formal level, because I would say that the world of forms outside of our world, which, pun intended, quote, in forms, the reality of our world has a very different form I don't feel like computational power is harvested via wires Um, I don't feel like our spirits appear like animals let alone shaved animals which need wires to be attached to them in order for our computational
1: power to be harvested Um, but conceptually I feel like at some level the idea that our experience ends up being nutritious to spirits outside of or you could say like
0: vaster than the world that we inhabit, is true. And I would say, again, like we often talk about in The Broom and also in Why Am I Like This, I think it's best and most cosmic to think of our world as the intelligence that arises within an organ of a body and to think about how various organs in our body via the orchestration of the intelligence of many cells within those organs, produce and consume different
1: substances, including neurochemicals, hormones. Um, Yeah, I'd say even immaterial substances, if that makes any sense,
0: that other organs also consume. And that this exchange of material and immaterial substance is what allows for the arising and the communing of intelligences within the body. And that's what I felt like I was getting some sense of as I was undergoing this like turbulent, psychotic time around the beginning of 2022 and the end of 2021. And so... After like four or five days of going through that, um, my ex at the time was pretty worried about me and ended up calling my friend. And then my
1: friend asked me if there were any teachers I trusted. And um, I would say that the
0: teacher that I'd been working most closely with at the time, whose name is Kenneth Hover, is somebody who had appeared in my visions in ways that I don't necessarily like attribute to the vessel of Kenneth over directly. But I would say that, again, from this perspective, which I currently hold, which is still karmically formed, I would say that I was receiving Gnosis relating to vaster beings that Ken's connected to.
1: And those vaster beings, I'll say like, through my experience with Ken, did not seem trustworthy at the time. So I didn't feel like
0: I could talk to Ken about it, especially given that according to what I remember of my last physical contact with Ken, he told me that I might be feeling psychically attacked and that I could reach out to him whenever I wanted, which is often what he said to me. I think from my experience of talking to other students of Ken is also how he's communicated with them. But I'll say that during this four to five days of psychotic turbulence, I had reached out to Ken several times, and he had not responded to me and I'm talking about attempts to establish contact via text message and via voice message since I had tried to call and hadn't um, had my calls answered. And so at that point, I didn't really feel like it was safe to talk to Ken. So I ended up talking to Qian, and we had a session over pretty wobbly Wi-Fi Where I talked to her about what I had been receiving during this period of psychotic turbulence. And I would say, at this time, like in the environment of Big Sur, around like some very, very old trees, which are very, very firmly rooted. And I would say, part of an ecosystem which included a very, very old waterway. I was much more grounded. So I also talked pretty clearly, I would say, about what I had experienced during psychosis and what I now discerned to be inaccurate with regard to like the reality that we live in and also that the
1: reality which encompasses the reality that we live in. So I talked to Shian about
0: what I had been channeling and what I felt was still valid or accurate according to my discernment and she told me that it still felt like i was a little bit ungrounded and i agreed and it felt true to me and i asked my body and my body said yes three times so i took that on board and then she said maybe i should go ground somewhere and i told her where i was and that i felt like it was
1: an appropriate place for me to be for the meeting and also for the post-meeting integration. And then she told me to read the Heart Sutra once a day,
0: and I asked my body if I should accept that, and my body said yes. And then later, I asked my body if I should actually read the Heart Sutra, and my body said no. Um, and the warning that Xian gave to me, like with regard to the heart suture, was to be careful where I read it, because it might make me too open,
1: which I would say that at the time and now my body says is true. Um But I was sort of counseled just to accept what she told me anyway. And as I was like basically in the parking lot of the place that we were staying
0: in Big Sur. That's how I kind of like opened up to my Gnosis of what Indra Sutra means. So you might recognize the correspondence between the word sutra in Heart Sutra and um the word sutra in Indra Sutra. And I'd say that the difference is basically one um, of locality. Like the word sutra in Sanskrit basically means like thread. And the word sutra, I would say, is most closely related to a language which is Dravidian in nature called Malayalam. And it's kind of like Sanskrit a lot of the time, except it has more vowels. So "sutara" instead of sutra. And I would say that it also means Thread,
1: but I would say more in the sense of like connection. And I would say that these words
0: are often like articulated with regard to forms that exist when those words are being used. So I would say that like connection is sort of like a pretty abstract form, which I would say is difficult to understand materially in a permanent way in the time in which the word sutra was used. And like nowadays, we might talk about connection in the form of like Wi-Fi or like Bluetooth. And we understand that it's something that we can't see, which nonetheless allows us to communicate using material artifacts like characters on screens or even like voice
1: but i think also like voice is something that we can't see but we understand to be material
0: and we understand to have phenomenological imprint or i would say even like a phenomenomical imprint on our experience even though it doesn't relate to something that it feels like we can really touch. Like, unless I, like, scream the word phenomenon really loudly at you, then you may feel, like, a sensation that you might call a sensation. And it might just be, like, the hotness of my breath and the humidity of my breath which is almost like incidental to the transmission of that sound. But I would say, yeah, this is like just one way in which meaning can be transmitted in ways that don't really, I would say, qualify as being like what we tend to define as material. And I would say the same of uh, many different forms of connection. But I would say, again, in the time that the word sutra was first conceived of with regard to spiritual
1: doctrine, the word and the form which was most appropriate to convey its meaning was thread.
0: And the other thing about the word heart sutra is that, well, I would say that the heart sutra, like the meaning of the phrase Heart Sutra is a wisdom relating to the heart. And I would say that the way that the word Sutra has come to connote a teaching sort of relates probably in ways that are understandable for most people to the idea of connection, right? Like a teaching can be seen as a form of wisdom which is a form of transmission which comes from a form of connection, perhaps, but please disagree. Um, But I would say in some ways, like the way that sutra is like used nowadays is egregoric relative to the meaning of the
1: sound sutra. And I would say like a distortion of the spirit of the sound sutra.
0: And if you've been listening to Why Am I Like This for a while, then I would say that this is an example of how so-called light languages become earth languages, which is to say that the spirits, like the living spirits of the life forms that create sounds like sutra, end up accumulating thought forms within our realm, which make them denser, so that these light languages become earth languages, or you could say that these heaven languages become earth languages,
1: or these vast languages become dense languages through reinforcement of associations between these sounds and
0: thoughts that relate to form.
1: Which have a material substance to them. Um, yeah. So I would say, like, the other correspondence between the term
0: Heart Sutra and Indra Sutra, besides the sounds, and beside the connection between teachings and wisdoms that come from transmission due to connection to vaster beings is that in miniosis indra sutra lives in the heart space and i would say it's the context of space and time which is in the subtle organ of the heart space um and i would say like more specifically Indra Sutra is the pearl of the middle sea. And Indra, etymologically, means pearl. So Indra Sutra means the pearl of connection from my perspective of the perspective of my lineages. And you could say that it's an artifact which forms due to, you could say like, Metaphorically, the mineral content of the middle sea, of
1: the subtle body, which tends to be fed chiefly by the heart chakra, the solar plexus, and the throat chakra.
0: But of course, as we've talked about in the broom and in Why Am I Like This, and sometimes outside of the broom, These chakras can themselves be corded to other chakras and also to other spirits outside of our spirit or outside of our subtle body such that these seas can become what I would call polluted
1: and therefore the pearl of connection can become somewhat distorted.
0: But the other correspondence that I would like to draw with the term Indra is to another Sanskrit word, which is Indra, and which relates to a deity or an archetype named Indra, and myths relating to Indra's net. And as you can see with this word as well, that the difference between Indara and Indra is basically a difference of vowels. Which again is characteristic, I would say, of the difference between what I would call like more, more <laughs> prototypical Dravidian languages and Sanskrit, which you know I've referred to as like pretty fucking close to a light language, like basically what I call a spirit tongue, which due to its reserved usage in um, I'd say like, certain forms of society and in ritual contexts ends up uh, not accumulating density to the same extent as earth languages do while still also being used in a way which creates associations between thought forms relating to forms and sounds which, so it's therefore also not a pure light language from my perspective is Indra the one on the elephant? Um, I can't say I know, and I think like that's part of like the way I tend to relate to teachings that come from like Dravidian lineages, and why I was so surprised to hear the term Indra Sutra as I was reflecting on this session I had with Chian um, after this like period of psychotic turbulence. Because at the time, and I would say even that now, like most of my experience had been with lineages which are more explicitly related to what I call Taoishness now or what some people call Taoism, and also Buddhism. And I would say that it's clearer to me how my ancestral lineages connect to lineages which are known as Taoism and Buddhism and less clear to me how my lineages I would say like that how the lineages of my earth ancestors connect to what are sometimes known as like Indic lineages Um, but I would say in this context I call them
1: Dravidian languages or Austronesian lineages or even indigenous lineages of Malaya. Um,
0: so yeah, like my actual present life experience with like Indic lineages is really small. So I can't really tell you if Indra is the one on the elephant. But Adam says yes, and I feel like that's true. And I would say that um, my understanding of the myth
1: relating to Indra's net is that It essentially, like, constitutes the matrix of our reality. And it's also, I would say, like, a weaving of threads of space and time
0: which themselves are fabrications of soul. So when I say that, like, Indra Sutra,
1: sometimes when I say that it relates to the etheric soul, I will say, like, it's a term of art, because I feel like what a soul is
0: relates to a quantization of the music of reality and that quantization can happen at different scales so when i say that the etheric soul is the space and time context which lives in the space around which forms the subtle organ which i call indra sutra i'm really referring to a specific quantization of the awareness of the universe In the same way that if you're using quantization in a musical sense, it will basically like take a sound and it'll round it to the closest measure. And you can choose whether you want to round it to like the closest like semi-quaver or the closest quaver or the closest crotchet.
1: And you know, like in a typical bar there are four crotchets. Um, Eight quavers and 16 semi quavers. So, at some level, a soul could be crotchet sized, in other words, like one
0: quarter of a measure, and a soul could be quaver sized, in other words, like one eighth of a measure, or semi quaver sized, which is like one sixteenth of a measure. But it can go all the way down, right? to the
1: point where it approaches like not being. Um, And I would say like, a context of space and time which constitutes a soul is a quantization of space and time within, I say like a category of fabrics that have common characteristics that we tend
0: to refer to as space and within a category of fabrics which have common characteristics that we tend to refer to as time which tend to combine in ways that create fabrics which have current common characteristics that we tend to call space-time
1: and or time-space. And that this space-time is how we connect to Indra's net,
0: which is the matrix of our reality. And when I say our reality,
1: I'll say that I mean constitutions of selfhood within the body of the one which which recognize and in some ways arise from fabrics that have common characteristics that we call space-time. Mm. And I guess to like ground this a little bit in a symbolic material of current time, I'll say that
0: this is where we tend to access the experience of what people tend to call past lives. And um, this is where we access the experience of sky ancestors, which is what my lineages call them from my perspective. And I'll also say that we can also have past lives and sky ancestors or AKA sky ancestors, who share genetic code with our current incarnation, which means that we can be connected to the experiences of life forms that exist in both our Earth ancestral Akash and our sky ancestral Akash,
1: and that we may connect more strongly with those ancestors because we have that affinity both at
0: the genetic level of ether and at the genetic level of our
1: bodies, also known as DNA, and to an extent, um, epigenetic marking. And I guess like I also feel called to say that most of my gnosis
0: of Dravidian lineages comes from sky ancestry, not from earth ancestry. But I'll say that because many of my earth ancestors have had experience with land that was occupied by my, I would say, people who shared earth ancestry with my sky ancestors then i would say it's like through like the i'll say the overlapping sounds and the cymatic doorways which are opened up by those overlapping sounds which i receive gnosis of concepts
1: like indra sutra and indra kala and indra nidra um I feel like perhaps, like, these
0: the geometries of these pathways as they relate to, like, the metaphysical mechanisms of what some lineages call a psyche, or other lineages call a mind, or other lineages Mm -hmm. call a spirit. um, I'll say that, like, they seem to, like, inflect upon egregores relating to appropriation and authenticity in ways which might be a bit controversial because I feel like in current time and in the spiritual climate of current time we tend to think of authenticity in a way that is I'll say overly anchored to like the, the appearance of a practitioner and how easily I would say we are able to draw associations between their appearance and ancestral lineages, which I'd say is like mostly based on egregoric ideas of how people who occupied certain lands and had certain experiences look. And I would say that like if that accounts for any ancestral ties at all, it only accounts for Earth ancestral ties but I would say it does so in a way which is unclean. Um, And, yeah, like I said, like overly anchored towards appearances and egregores around what people who did certain things look like. And I would say it doesn't account for sky ancestry at all, which is not to say that, like, ungrounded appropriation doesn't exist, but I would say that Especially if someone's really well grounded, then they can pick up on links between their sky ancestors and their current vessel, which may appear unexplainable or only
1: explainable by egregores known as appropriation to people outside of that relationship between the vessel and its sky ancestors.
0: Which is to say that somebody who looks like they have no connection to Dravidian lineages may have a strong connection to Dravidian lineages than somebody who looks like they have an Earth ancestral connection to Dravidian li- lineages. Um, or you could say, like somebody who looks like a white person may have a stronger connection to like Indic lineages than someone who looks like a Desi. And that person who looks like a Desi might have stronger connections to, let's say, Nordic fail
1: lineages than someone who looks like a Scandinavian person But please disagree. And if anybody has any questions about this, then I may choose to answer them. If anybody has questions
0: about the specific people I'm alluding to, then I would say that
1: um, you either know or you don't. (laughs) Um, And I won't answer those questions. And I'm just kind of tuning into the container of the question about what are thoughts.
0: And I'll say like, what well, I transmitted earlier on um, the connections between thoughts and forms and sounds only relates to part of that question for me. And as I was saying before I started recording, I was like dismembering attachments that I have to particular perspectives of the meaning of the word
1: thoughts. And then I was dismembering my attachment to, I would say, meaning which relates to that experience, primordial to thoughts. In order to try and hold space
0: or create the container of the question, quote, what are thoughts, unquote.
1: And I guess, like, when I scry that container outside of time to see what meaning I'll say has been marinating or fermenting in that container, I'll say, When I scribe that container so I can see what is harvestable
0: about what has been computed by the intelligence of that container of space and time, which I feel like connects to what I was saying previously about computational power being harvested in our realm by bodies which encompass our
1: realm. I'll say that what comes up for me when I look into that container is that (laughs) it's very difficult to describe in
0: words in a short period of time. But I'll say that when soul or like the music of reality or the divine is quantized like at the bar level, or at the phrase level, or at the crotchet level, or at the quaver, or at the semi quaver level, or levels which are like denser than those levels, then those different like quanta of soul can interact. And I would say that when they interact, sometimes they collide. And when they collide, sometimes more disintegration of soul happens. And I'll say that sometimes entanglement forms between these particles of soul. And then I would say that sometimes that entanglement becomes what I would call enmeshment. And I would say that the difference between enmeshment and entanglement
1: relates to how much experience is allowed through a particular geometry of quantized soul. And I would say that
0: the threshold for what constitutes entanglement and what constitutes
1: enmeshment is different at different levels of consciousness. Or I would say, um, at different levels of reality. And I would say that enmeshments
0: are what constitute karma at a given level of reality or a, different, a given state of consciousness, which is to say that what constitutes enmeshment and what constitutes karma within our realm of existence at our level of consciousness is not necessarily what constitutes karma or enmeshment at a vaster level of consciousness. But I would say that in order to maintain the structure of the body of the one, from this perspective of the body of the one, certain levels of consciousness need to maintain Um, I would say like a hierarchy or a structure that allows for structured communication within the body of
1: the one and therefore like healthy functioning of the body of the one.
0: So within our realm of reality, there's a certain threshold which defines um, the difference between crystalline transmission of experience which I would call like arising from entanglement or structures of karma, which I would say like structure our realm. And then below that threshold of entanglement, I would say there is enmeshment, which constitutes karma within our realm, which can be released without destroying the structure of
1: our realm within an overall structure. Of the consciousness of the body of the one. And I would say that, like certain formations of karma, constitute forms, as in material forms or matter. And then I would say thoughts. relate to symbolic-conceptual
0: formulations of energy that our consciousness or
1: our experience is shaped into which are informed by material which is heavily associated with sound
0: so as like sound is like associated over and over again for each vessel, and then within collective consciousnesses which belong to um, orchestrations of those vessels, so you could say like cultures or lineages
1: or societies, then forms and sounds, and also you could say like
0: experiences of forms become highly coupled through repetition.
1: And I would say these thoughts end up being quote, forms, unquote, of karma. Or you could almost say like tools. Or I would say like menu items in the restaurant of collective consciousness. And then I would say that when we encounter reality in ways that i'll say like cause the music of reality to like throw, flow
0: through our vessels as like light which hits like the receptors in our eyes or um as perturbations of like air which cause our eardrums to vibrate um, which cause electrical signals to reach our brain via the instruments of our ears. Um, yeah, i will say like via electrical signals which arise from the compression and the expansion of um, certain mechanisms within the cells of our body, which we relate to as touch. Then I would say like the music which arises from the transmissions of like electricity or electromagnetic energy or light. um, Then basically like find matches amongst the menu items within like this so-called like restaurant of collective consciousness. Which I would say constitute or consist of repetitive associations between experiences and material.
1: And sounds, and then our experience is essentially like composed. Um,
0: for many people, in a way which is dominated by thoughts, but I feel like there's also space within this like container to understand how experience can be like vaster than and inclusive of thoughts without being dominated by thoughts. Which is to say that I feel like there's space to experience interactions between material, which does not necessarily automatically invoke previous associations between sounds and words and forms of material. And I would say that there's a lot of space for creativity there. And I would say also that there's a lot of space for experiencing. The intelligence of the cosmos there without reflexively grabbing for the thoughts that people who came before us have put into the
1: collective realm of human consciousness. Um, and I would say, like, before I end the container, that. Part of the reason that we have Bluetooth
0: and part of the reason that we have Wi Fi is because people were able to suspend the reflexive attachment to thought forms that other people had had before. So, part of the reason that I can communicate Indra Sutra as the pearl of connection and not have to like show you a literal thread. Which connects to different, like coconut husks, is because people were able to avoid or detach from reflexively reaching for thought forms that people had previously contributed to. I'll say, like, the shared Akash of human consciousness. Um, And hopefully that sheds some light on some of the other benefits with regard to, like, innovation and creativity, which might arise from
1: an earnest practice of spiritual refinement in one's vessel. And with that,
0: I'm going to close the container and say thank you for the offerings of these questions to Adam and also to Maxim, who is, like, in some ways partially estranged to me. Um, but thank you for the question regardless. Thank you for listening and tuning in live to this container of Why Am I Like This. If you'd like to make offerings to support this container, you can find links to my website in the notes for this episode. And if you would like to join live for this container or for other containers that occur in the Broom Radio, then you can find a link to join Discord
1: through there. Um, Thank you again for listening and tuning in live, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.